Hello everyone, my name is Christian. Welcome back to TechPoint. Today our guest is Tomar, the CEO of AISA. Hello. Hi. Hi, Chris. Uh, please tell us what is AISA. So AISA is a startup. It stands short for Artificial Intelligence Space Analytics. And basically, we help companies that d- deal with problems in the physical space tackle those problems through automation and data so that finally we can save them time and money and also enhance business intelligence. So what are some problems that uh, you are trying to solve? With AISA. AISA basically is a, a platform that has a, su- a suite of solutions. Uh, momentarily, we started uh, penetrating the market with uh, the retail industry and the logistics industry. For retail, we are working with uh, an enterprise in Romania so far that we're helping uh, engage customers in the store. We're help- helping them engage customers in the store and connect stuff to those customers so that they can get the help that they need. And of course, there's also a dashboard, a managerial dashboard behind that helps managers understand the productivity of the staff, understand on what aisles attention is most needed, uh, to also understand uh, basically the conversion between how many people are asking for help and how many are getting help. And I'm happy to say that this would be the first digital metric for customer engagement in the physical space uh, developed. So as far as industries, uh, only retail and logistics for now, but uh, in the future, do you have other plans? Yes, of course, of course. This solution and engagement is also very good for the hospitality industry. Our solutions uh, are focusing more on the physical spaces themselves, and I think they have a much larger cross-integration across more industries. I'll tell you a bit also about the logistics solution we have. We are helping delivery companies match the addresses from checkouts to the correct postcodes so that finally the products, the packages, can get to the right customer. I don't know about uh, other countries like the UK where postcodes are uh, are basically uh, postcodes sort out all of the address, but in Romania and in Switzerland and in, in other countries, uh, postcodes are something that are not mandatory to be written in the checkout on uh, websites when you buy a product, and this creates quite a headache for uh, delivery companies, which we are happy to solve. Mm, okay, <laughs> and uh, what are the top features? Um, our top features. I would say that uh, look with the delivery uh, with the delivery uh, service that we are providing, one of our top features that we are very proud of is reducing carbon footprint. Uh, basically, I, I would call it the benefit more, yes. uh, because what we actually do is help them uh, help delivery companies make as little uh, effort as possible and consume as little gas as possible, because. Um, they are now delivering the parcels where they need to be delivered and they don't have to carry them back at the headquarters and back to the, another customer. And in a large scale, this actually helps with pollution and with the car- carbon footprint. So efficiency, that's that's what you're yes. trying to focus yes. on? Yes, of course. Okay. And uh, do you have some integrations or are you planning to, to add some? Yeah, of course. Uh, we are talking uh, to ProfiCircle, which is... Uh, platform helping also retailers and warehouses get uh, uh, the physical help they need with equipment, with the logistics, and now they want to integrate also the the software side of it, helping them uh, get the software they need for their physical spaces, for their warehouses. So we are in discussions with them to integrate some of our solutions, which we are uh, sure will greatly benefit them. Okay. And uh, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Chris. No, 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 Uh, (laughs) no worries. Apart from that, we're also uh, Microsoft partners. So we are integrated uh, with the Azure ecosystem, with the cloud. So there's a lot of benefits and services that we're using and uh, through our partnership with Microsoft. Okay. 
So, uh, apart from what you, you said, what you said before, can you share with us other success stories or companies that, uh, you know, that implemented ISA? So basically, um, ISA has started working with Carrefour in Romania and, uh, it's quite a large retail chain, uh, international retail, retail chain, which, uh, has shown a great interest in adopting the product, not only in Romania, but also on international scale. And, uh, I could say that uh, we have been really, really uh, welcomed uh, in the Carrefour uh, family and that uh, not, not only are we able to help the management, but I think we're also able to help the actual customers because that's why I started working in, in a B2B industry because I, w- I wanted to help, my mission is to help as many people as possible. So through getting to help enterprises that have a large customer base, you're actually delivering the value towards the customer, towards the end customer. Even I'm the end customer because I go shopping to Carrefour also. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And would you say your biggest competitor are companies that are building the system themselves? Well, uh, <laughs> you know, the markets are quite split in a regulated market and a, a non-regulated market. And I can see that more with the logistic solution that we have. Uh, where, uh, like the example I gave you, in, in the UK, where the market is very regulated, Postcodes are uh, mandatory, they need to be written, and from the postcode, you get a drop-down with the exact apartment or even room that you are in. So everything is solved by an API created by the Royal Mail. So there's not much room for uh, the private sector to develop because there isn't an actual need. But then there are countries uh, where the environment is not regulated that much and where, of course, it comes into the hands of the private uh, companies to solve this problem. Either the companies solve them in-house if they are very big enterprises and they have the resources, or it's agencies or startups like ourselves that are dedicated towards this uh, mission, particular mission. And when did you start AISA? AISA basically started uh, as a vision in 2020 when uh, I went to uh, the European Startup Festival in Malmo in Sweden. And uh, I got brilliant feedback from there, from people that are uh, also in the industry, from other startup uh, people. And um, it started to shape more and more to what it became today. But uh, I can say that AISA actually started accelerating most in 2021 when we enrolled in Innovation Labs, which is a a pre-accelerator for startups that aims to uh, give the startups chances to access resources and partners in order to develop their MVP. And so we did. We actually uh, got in discussion with Carrefour, with DPD and other large companies, and also brilliant people that I'm proud to say that are now part of our team. So it, uh, I, I would really say that AISA started uh, accelerating uh, mm-hmm. in 2021. So we're almost one year in, in this uh, adventurous journey. And uh, you also won the competition, right? Sorry, what? You won the competition, the demo day. Oh, yes, 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 we did. We did. Uh, exactly. <laughs> I don't like you to recommend it to, to other uh, startups. <laughs> I would, I would, of course, because it's, a, it's an experience that's amazing. It's not even about the price itself. It's about the journey. It's uh, that that's also why I focused on the journey itself, because it's a place where you can go with your idea and you can validate it. And if, even if it's not valid, you can get directions. You can have a spin off. You can start as something and end up as something else. I'm, I'm really proud to say that uh, it helped us very much with uh, also creating our team. So basically helped AISA internally and also externally through, through connecting us to 
uh, critical partners in the industry that helped us uh, understand the problems. And only through customer discovery were we able to understand the real problems in the industry. Because in B2B, there's a lot of problems that are really hidden. And as much research as you'd like to do on the internet and uh, academic research, <laughs> it won't help as much as talking to the actual customer. Exactly, exactly. And how big is your team right now? Our team is made out of five people. We are uh, three co-founders and we have also two interns. And are you planning to, to raise any funds? Uh, so far, we went uh, lean because I'm, uh, uh, I very much like to adopt the lean startup methodology. Basically, uh, the only investition we had so far was an intellectual investition. But uh, as uh, far as I'm concerned, we would like to raise investment, I think, in 2023, when uh, I feel that AISA will, uh, have the uh, will start having tensions in uh, order to scale and in order to penetrate other markets internationally as well. So in order for us to expand our team with sales and marketing and uh, support people, we would uh, really be looking for investment in 2023. We're already talking to some investors. That's good. Uh, and was AISA your first startup? Um, yeah, I'd say AISA was my first startup. Although not my first business, it's the first thing that I really want to scale. Apart from that, uh, I started my uh, web, my, my tech journey through a web development company, uh, which is still in existence and uh, basically developing websites and software and all sorts. I started from an arts background because, uh, as you can see behind me, I uh, I'm very passionate about music, about art, and so from art I started doing graphic design. From graphic design, I went into very functional design, into web design, and uh, started tapping more and more into industries and understanding their problems. And uh, I don't know what was your biggest challenge as a founder. My biggest challenge as a founder, I think, uh, still is consistency. Because um, I think it's very hard, especially at a young age, it's very hard uh, understanding that what you should do is a thing that requires a lot of focus and that it requires a lot of discipline, self-discipline, especially when you're an entrepreneur and no one is uh, above you to lead you, to task you, apart from mentors, of course, which also only help you and it's your choice what to do with the information. I think this is one of the biggest uh, the biggest challenge is being constant, being disciplined, and uh, creating yourself uh, some sort of rituals in which you are able to actually uh, work, to overwork yourself for something that you promise for the future, for yourself and for, uh, for the benefit of others. So this is what we are currently doing. We're overworking as much as possible. We're trying to uh, go everywhere and, everywhere and anywhere in order to uh, tap into knowledge. Happy for you. Um, and uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, what's your main vision for AISA? Um, our main vision for AISA is basically, uh, it basically started from uh, understanding the real problem with, uh, the, with, with the industries. So basically, why do we want to help physical spaces? Because I understood that from an easy example, if you have an e-commerce or you have a physical retail store, when you have an e-commerce, it's so much easier to get any information because you have plugins, you have integrations, you can understand what your customer journey is, you can understand uh, your bounce rate, uh, what customers abandoned the cart, what uh, products they viewed and so on. You have so many metrics and analytics that you can actually make data-driven decisions rather than uh, uh, it's being intuitive and guessing while 
in the physical space, it's very, very hard to monitor, especially without being, being intrusive, it's very hard to monitor. And it's very hard to collect data uh, and critical data that helps you make uh, informed business decisions. So basically, it's, it, it's all because of the lack of technology adoption, because it's pricey, it's hard. So that's our vision, our mission, making it more accessible for physical spaces to get the attention and the data they need, just like uh, in the digital world. We are basically a bridge connecting digital to physical. Yeah, you explained it very well. <laughs> so it's a great mission. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you have any piece of advice for founders? Something that uh, you'd have liked to know two years ago, three years ago? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, uh, first of all, I'd like to talk uh, about uh, innovation for a bit and uh, understand some uh, and, and put some frameworks into place because innovation is such an interesting word. We hear it around us every day, all day. Countries uh, uh, differentiate themselves between a developing country to an already developed country through innovation. But what exactly is it and how can we be sure that we are innovating? Well, um, through time, I understood that innovation can be uh, basically drawn down, drawn down to some very, very basic things. I think that we are able to innovate as a definition. We are able to innovate when we are able to shorten a process or make more processes in the same amount of time. And this is what we are looking for as people. We are a generation of speed. We are the now generation. We want everything right now. We are very used to it. And that's also a part of the problem of, of the physical world because the physical world lags, of course, because we need to deliver the product. We need to, to move around. So in order to reduce as much of the lag, we are uh, companies and people are looking always for shortcuts, how to shorten any process or do as many things in the same amount of time. So I think and I uh, suggest any founder to first look into, if, into a problem and understand if what they're doing actually shortens the process or is able to make more things in the, in, in the same amount of time. If you're able to shorten anything, you're undoubtedly innovating. No one can argue with, the, with you about that. No matter what you shorten in the world, it's called innovation. Afterwards, of course, there's uh, incremental innovation and radical innovation, ba basically bringing things from zero to one. So, so that's, that's the definition. <laughs> that would be a piece of advice and the definition for innovation that uh, I personally am following. That's Apart awesome. That, um, I would like also to... Um, uh, say something that I discovered that leads me in my business path and in every decision that I make uh, personally and professionally as well. I really believe and I'm an, uh, I, I, be, I believe in uh, universal value. Universal value is a concept which I developed uh, quite early since I was 17 years old. I started adopting this uh, when I started teaching music because I needed money and I understood I, 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 went, I was going to school. So I was thinking, what can I do? How can I basically uh, divide my time into school and also earning money. I can't get a job. I can't get anything like that. I don't have the time for it, but I know how to play music. I know how to play guitar. So basically I started teaching guitar. And when I saw people being happy from the thing that I was happy to do way before teaching, I would have played guitar and, um, and music. I understood the very concept of universal value, which basically is finding the right activity that makes you happy while making others happy around you simultaneously. 
people in society usually don't do this to uh, my surprise because some people go to a job from eight to five. I'm not saying jobs are bad in any way, but some people go to a job not for the sake of the job, but for the sake of the money. So from eight to five, they're delivering value. They are delivering value to clients, to people, to the company, but not to themselves. They themselves are not happy from that exact activity. And then from five to when they go to sleep or in vacations, they deliver value to themselves and they are happy while not delivering value to other people. And all that does basically is shortening the time in which you can be happy as a person or, or in which you can make others happy. Instead of being happy and making others happy always, basically half of the day you're happy, half of the day you're making others happy. <laughs> what good does it make us when we look uh, back at life when we're old, I think. So I think that finding the right activity and focusing on the right activity that makes you happy and other people happy is uh, the key. And money follows because when you create value and you make people happy, we have this tendency where we want, uh, it's not enough for us to be gratified only once. We want it all the time. And that's how you create a, a customer stream, revenue flows and money just comes. Whenever you focus on money, you're actually dividing your time without understanding that. <laughs> Absolutely agree with that. <laughs> Great piece of advice. And I have just one last question for you. What's your favorite software? My favorite software, I can't lie, it's uh, Adobe. I use a lot uh, Photoshop, Illustrator and the Adobe Suite because it helped me evolve uh, from an artist to an actual uh, functional person that does things uh, for people and brings value. So uh, through Adobe, through Photoshop, for instance, I was able to uh, start anything from doing art to now making dashboards, making uh, UI, UX, uh, wireframes, logos, uh, and any kind of illustration that I need. I also saw people making on Photoshop uh, from GIFs to uh, animations. You can do so many things. The programmers are so versatile. And I appreciate Adobe so much because they do something that uh, every successful company, I think, should do and does. It helps people create. It enables people. It gives people the right tools to create by themselves. And this is the best thing that you can do. If you look at social media, social media is just the same. Instagram, TikTok, all, all of those apps, they basically help, they give people the tools and the platform they need to create content. And mm. a place like that is a place that really helps us people put our cre creativity uh, in value and in the right place. Yeah, that's a, that, that's a great perspective. So companies that allow uh, users to create content, uh, yeah, <laughs> great yeah, perspective. You can look uh, also at Microsoft in this way. Microsoft understood this. Uh, when they changed this, their uh, CEO, they also understood that uh, from making software by themselves, making uh, uh, Windows and their suite of services, they saw that in the world there are so many companies that are emerging and developing new technologies. And for them to make any step, it's turned into such a bureaucratical and slow process because the company is large that they understood basically we don't have to try creating any more innovation rather than enable innovation mm. in our system. And this is what they started to do. They developed Asia and they attracted startups like uh, AISA, like our startup, to create innovation within their ecosystem using their cloud, using their storage, using their microservices. But basically, they are relying on their partner companies that are creating content and innovation for the world. So basically, again, enabling. That's so smart. That's so smart. <laughs> Okay, uh, is there anything else that uh, you want to tell us today? Uh, I'd like to thank you for inviting me. <laughs> and, uh, I'd like to thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for being here. And uh, yeah, 
uh, I, I forgot to mention that you met at How to Web. So how was how was the event for you? Yeah, exactly. It was really powerful. I think that it's very important for startups to, especially B two B startups and companies, to participate at these kind of events. Because uh, listen, you can't market your product on Inst- on Instagram or on, on uh, social media because it's not B two C. Whilst you need to meet the right people and the right partners face to face usually, because that's the best way to make uh, yourself understood. Is the best way to share your vision and to resonate with people. Because even when you, sell, if you even if you sell to businesses and large enterprises, in the end you're still talking to one person from that place. You have to catch that one person. Uh, so how to web really helped us, and as you can see, it uh, connected us too, which I think is very valuable. Yeah, uh, I'm super grateful. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you to Chris.